Hello, listeners. Welcome to the Web Chatham Report, episode 37. What's going on? I apologize for the really intense uh, noise gate on this thing today. I don't know why, but my computer, which never, ever, ever has the fan running on it, has the fan running right now, so I had to turn up the noise gate, so you're really losing the nuances at the end of these sentences. See? It's a little weird. But, uh, yeah, man, how's it going? I skipped last week. I feel kind of bad about it, but I just, you know, I couldn't really pull it off. I had, I had stuff to do. I don't don't know what it was. I was feeling kind of down and I decided on Saturday I had to go see a movie. And then on Sunday I was like, I just got to cook all day. I got to cook all day. So I cooked. Oh yeah, we got to do something about that gate. One second. All right. That's a little bit better. You can at least get my breath and stuff now. See? Yeah. All right. Anyway, so I cooked all day Sunday. It was like, you know, like uh, eat, pray, love kind of thing. I just felt like I needed to cook to feel better, to get out of my funk. So I made my morning bone broth. I made some whole wheat waffles for Jane. I made a, a delicious ramen for dinner and I went all out on the ramen. I made a, you know, I, I, I pickled the carrots and did the menma out of the bamboo and I, I, I broiled the pork tenderloin and I, I, I made the broth. It was a pork and a chicken broth from, from no stock from scratch. I, I really went all out on that. I made Emma a flourless chocolate cake. Yeah, I I don't know. I just had to cook. I decided that was more important than doing the podcast, and I deserved a week off, so I took it off. It was pretty exciting. Uh, yeah, so anyway, just now, I, I just got back from a, a movie again. I, I have been going to movies pretty much every Saturday because my parents are in town, and they can cover for me, and I realize they're leaving in, like, two weeks, so I should use this opportunity as much as possible in the next two weeks. So I've been going to a movie almost every weekend, as you may have noticed, if you're a listener, a regular listener here. And I just got back from one. I just uh, went and saw the new Harmony Corinne film, Beach Bum, and it was awesome. (laughs) I was very skeptical all the way through the film. And I just, I was like, I don't know about this film. I don't know about this film. And and I think I I thought it was going to be predictable and it wasn't predictable. And it was just, uh, in the end, I really liked it. It was very fascinating. And, you know, there is this sort of uh, unlikely pairing of Snoop Dogg and Jimmy Buffett. <laughs> Jimmy Buffett definitely plays himself. Snoop Dogg basically played himself, but it was, I, I'm not sure actually if it was really supposed to be Snoop Dogg or not, because his name's Calvin, right? And they were talking to him about Brian, I think. I don't know. I want to look at the credits. One second. No, he's playing a fictional character, but he is basically playing Snoop Dogg. So that was interesting. And, you know, needless to say, when you got those three in a movie with Matthew McConaughey, Snoop Dogg, and Jimmy Buffett, there's going to be a lot of marijuana in the film. And, uh, you know, I was driving home after the film and I was following this delivery truck for mattresses and it just reeked of pot. It was so much that I could smell it in my car behind them. And I was like, am I having like psychosomatic pot smell sensations because of the movie or is it this truck in front of me and I finally got around the truck and then the pot smell stopped I was like no those mattress dudes are baked so you know I I guess there's people out there in the real world living the life living the good life of Moondog in this movie I I really enjoyed it I, I I I don't love Harmony Corinne films in general and I think I've seen just about all of them but uh, this, I think this one's my favorite one. It is probably also the most uh, accessible to audiences, so that probably says something about my relatively low-brow tastes, but it was interesting, you know? Kept you guessing, like, made nods to different films, uh, made real costs to hedonism in a way that, like, made the whole thing more intense and less lightweight and made you wonder about it a little bit more, and uh, I don't know. It was very clever, very clever. Yeah, um, I'm guessing I'm not in the movie section. I'm supposed to be in the intro in the Chatham County section, but I did see the movie in Chatham County. No, that's a lie. Actually, I went to Orange County. I saw it at the Silver Spot, the fancy theater. It gets all these movies. It gets pretty much everything, but it gets it for like one week. And I've been missing stuff. I didn't get to see The Wedding Guest and a couple other arty films. And and, uh, this week it was this or Dumbo. And I'm like, Dumbo's going to last two weeks. I'm going to see the new Harmony Corinne film. So I'm glad I did that. 
and now I'm back and I'm on baby duty because Emma nicely got up a half hour, hour early to let me go to the movie because my parents, although they usually come in the morning and cover for when I go to the movies, the weather's really, really nice here in Chatham County now. It's almost 70 out there today and sunny. It's just gorgeous. So my parents like coming later in the day now so they can sit outside. You know, they leave Alaska to come here for four months and it's still, it's much, much warmer than Fairbanks, Alaska here while they're here, but it's not nice until the last few weeks that they're here. So they're just soaking up as much of the sun as they can before they go back to Fairbanks in a couple of weeks. So, you know, it felt fair. I, uh, they'll be, they'll be here in a couple hours and I haven't got up early and then now she's taking a nap and I've got the baby monitor in front of me. So, you know. If Jane wakes up in the middle of this podcast, then I will have to go get her, but she's not. I can, I'm looking at her now. She's splayed out on her face, her arms like sticking out from each side and her leg just sort of like looks like a dead man pose. It's pretty amazing. We had a good morning, Jane and I. She's, uh, she's kind of slowly learning potty stuff. Like we're doing some simple potty training. She's starting to say pa-pa when we're near the potty. She's starting to understand that poo and pee go in the potty. So that's pretty exciting. Uh, I'm chalking this all up to Janet. She's really doing most of it, taking the lead here. Honestly, I bet I could do nothing and this baby will end up potty trained because Janet, Janet like means business on it. But I guess I, you know, I don't really mind changing diapers. I know that's weird, but it's, you know, it's a thing you do it, but uh, Janet doesn't enjoy it. So she's got more of a, like a vested interest in Jane becoming potty trained soon. Oh yeah. Picnic table update. I remember last podcast I was talking about Emma with the picnic table and it was very weird because it turned out that she was in fact just dragging it into the mulch bed to stain it, but that she was also <laughs> leveling it just cause she's like OCD about things being level. Then I mentioned I told you guys she was leveling it, and I wasn't sure if she was staining or moving it, and she was really embarrassed. So, But anyway, she did stain it. It's lovely. It's still in the mulch bed. It actually kind of works there, so we're going to do that. Also, she took me out there and showed me a bunch of stuff she's been doing out to our trails. We have these nice trails around the pond and stuff like that. And trails are a little weird because they, you know, there was a part where they didn't really connect up. Like, you couldn't go to the pond and you had to go up this trail between our house and the neighbor's house back to the main street. And that trail's gorgeous. It's all mossy and everything. But it needed to connect to the back pond area on our property. So she she did that. And that looks really, really good. Um, I think now we're going to break the trail through towards the next house uh, in our woods along the pond. But I don't know, that seems like a lot of work. We had a bonfire at the neighbors last weekend. That was super fun. I got way too tanked, came home and Emma was like, you have to drink water. And I said, I will, but I only will drink it out of a champagne glass. And she's like, you're going to break the champagne glass. And I'm like, no, I'm not. And the whole time I was like, isn't this fun? It's just filled with uncertainty. Is this glass going to break or not? And I did not break the glass in the end, but thank God, because if I had, that would have been a pretty, pretty dark situation, but I did not break the, the champagne glass. And uh, we had some good catching up with the neighbors, you know, get some good neighborhood gossip, find out what's up with them. They hadn't been having a lot of bonfires lately, so they're, they're kicking back in. So that was nice. That was nice. I think that's about everything going on in Chatham County right now. Only two more weeks with the parents. That's a little bit of a bummer. I'm going to miss them. My parents are weirdos, but they are my weirdos and they are super helpful with the baby. And, uh, you know, we get along really well these days, so it'll be sad to see them go. Hopefully they'll come back in less than eight months this time. And then, of course, we all have to, you know, like do FaceTime or something. Jane knows who they are now, and I don't want that to go away. So we'll have to figure something out there. Anyway, turning to music, we've got a lot of music this week, man. It's it, well, it's been two weeks, so I guess that's why. But um, first off, I bought a bunch of concert tickets. I just decided, you know, my, you know, I'm on this two weeks not in New York, and then go to New York for two days and back for two weeks, and it's been making me a little stir crazy. And Emma and I, we, we decided we needed to find a new babysitter, and we did. And I bought a bunch of concert tickets that start in April, and I was like, this is it. I miss going to concerts. I've been sad about all these bands. Some of my favorite bands, I'd never miss a spiritualized tour alone to her literally in the history of either band until this year and that really bummed me out so i was like no more i'm buying a bunch of tickets so i bought tickets to a ton of shows i mean i mean let's see about i got paper tickets i got a stack of them here in front of me because cat's cradle is still paper tickets got phosphorescent that's the first one on april 14th and then we got the church on april 19th 
Uh, Jesse is coming down. My friend Jesse and my friend Abby are coming down from Boston for that one. We got Acid Mother's Temple on April 25th. I'm very, very excited about that. I, I probably won't be able to get Emma to go see them for a fourth or fifth time, but uh, I'm excited about that one at least. Let's see what else we got here. Oh, yeah, we got uh, Foxing Now Now and Daddy Issues. I don't even know who Foxing are. They're the headliner, but I'm so excited about both Now Now and Daddy Issues. They're like two of my favorite bands these days, so that is very, very exciting for me. Plus, I can go early. I can go home early if I don't like the headlining band. Uh, Mary Lattimore and Mac McCoglin from Super Chunk are playing. That's very exciting. They're in the back room, which is a small room at Cat's Cradle, so I'm really excited for that one. And then we have uh, Japanese Breakfast and X-Hex. Uh, uh, we'll talk about the X-Hex album in a bit, but uh, Japanese Breakfast as well, you know, I listened to early in January, and I really, really like that album, so that is very, very exciting. And then we got, oh yeah, then we got the Merge Festival. So the Merge Festival, it's their 30th anniversary, Merge Records is from the Triangle, as you know, and it's uh, five days. For Day one already happened. It was separate from the rest of them, and it was uh, in Saxapaw, which is this hipster little mill town. Old mill town turned into a hipster town about 10 miles west of here. It's really awesome, actually, and I really did consider going. It was on a Sunday night, and it was Eric Bachman and Teenage Fan Club, and in the end, I didn't go, but I really kind of wanted to go. So then the other four nights of the Merge Festival are at Cat's Cradle, and they're not telling you who's playing, so you know, there's nights two, three, four. And maybe there's only three more nights. No, I think there's four more nights. Uh, so anyway, I got tickets to all of them except for one of them, the Thursday night. And, <laughs> but they don't really announce who's playing, but the Thursday night's the only one that's sold out. So, you know, but I mean, at the same time, Merge is in town. So I guess everybody at Merge knows who's playing the one on Thursday. And that's the one that they like all told all their friends about. And that's the cool one, I guess. I don't really know. Um, you know, I think the biggest band on Merge these days is the arcade fire and x hex is playing very soon so uh, you know it won't be them they're probably my favorite band emerge so i don't really know who it's going to be on the other nights i doubt the arcade fire is going to randomly make an appearance but i suppose it's conceivable oh we got the magnetic fields that would be awesome or you know one of chris's variations but i guess i could find out about that one of steven's variations and ask i could ask chris about it anyway uh so i bought a ticket to a bunch of shows is what i'm saying and i'm very excited i'm going to start going out again there's two shows i didn't get tickets to because they're on Tuesdays. It'll be in New York, which are Smog and Sebado. Those are both bummers, but maybe something will happen on my schedule and I can stay for one of those. And Mitski sold out two nights before I could get tickets, so I'm really bummed about that. It originally was on a Tuesday. I was going to be in New York, so I didn't buy a ticket. And then a second show got announced on a Wednesday that I could have gone to, and it just sold out so fast I didn't even realize it. So that's a bummer. That's a bummer. But still, I got tickets like 10 shows, so Rick is going to go out and be rocking in the world again, so that's pretty exciting. So then on Discogs, we sold five CDs this week, actually six. So we sold two Pop Lead Itself CDs to a guy in Australia, two excellent, excellent Pop Lead Itself choices, if I may say so myself, and two of their rarer CDs, the Live at Weird's Bar and Grill CD and the Get the Girls Kill the Baddies CD single, which is fantastic. It's the Adrian Sherwood On You Sound System extended remix. Uh, and uh, it's of Rough Justice, maybe? I don't know. It's really good. It's a... Uh, I really, I listened to it again, and man, I really do love that band, Pop Weed itself. And then we sold uh, Emma's copy of Coldplay's Parachutes, but you know what? Coincidentally, I sold that the day after the bonfire next door, and uh, Trouble by Coldplay off of that album came on the bonfire, and I was like, man, you know, I haven't listened to Parachutes in ages. This is a great record. And then the next day, I sold it, so I gave it a listen. I was like, oh yeah, Parachutes. Coldplay at the beginning. I really liked them. Uh, then I sold the Spectrum Live Chronicles Volume 2 live in Tokyo. Spectrum, of course, is Sonic Boom from Spaceman 3. And uh, the Live Chronicles, there have a couple volumes. I think there's three volumes. I bought these two volumes from him at a show, at a Spectrum show or Sonic Boom show. I want to go with a Spectrum show at Mercury Lounge. Oh, got a cough there. Uh, Spectrum show at Mercury Lounge a couple years back when I lived in New York. I bought these two CDs off of them. So uh, they're great. I ripped it the last list. I gave it a listen. That was... Sad to see it go because they they haven't been released on vinyl, but you know somebody else, somebody in uh, Kansas has ordered it, and you know it's going to a better home. Then we sold a couple of old CDs that really put me in a nostalgia zone. We sold a Melanova CD, Hydromaniac. Melanova is a schwas, a shoegaze band from Toronto in the mid '90s, back when shoegaze was not popular, and it's sort of a 
post my bloody valentine pre black rebel revival period uh, so be sexy that kind of period and uh melanova and my band rockets used to play together a lot because we were like yeah man international society a shoegaze bands in the 90s when shoegaze isn't cool and uh they would stay at our house and we'd play shows together and they, i think they played with other arch enemy bands as well so uh, I listened to that and last time, you know, I like Melanova a lot. And last time I checked, which was not that long ago, six to nine months ago, I checked on Spotify and they weren't there. But now all of Melanova, Melonova, M-E-L-L-O, Nova are on Spotify. So you can check them out. I, I strongly recommend the Beneath Augusta retrospective album. It is great. I gave it another listen this week and I'm like, oh my God, I miss this band. I live so good. Uh, they had a single, that's one song on the Arch Enemy Record Company compilation we put out called No Year enemy and that song got licensed to buffy and the vampire slayer so buffy the vampire slayer not buffy and the vampire slayer that would be funny <laughs> that should be the name for the spinoff series right they're making a new uh, sequel it's about the new slayer and it could be she's the vampire slayer but then there's also buffy oh my god this is like i'm turning into Augstone and and his dumb jokes and in his new comedy act i will stop uh anyway so i also sold coincidentally a freeze pop forever cd from the arch enemy record company i have a few of those left so they'll get in a, a sealed edition everybody's gonna be very excited about that i'm sure right and then we have all the music we listened to this week man whew. Well, two weeks, but uh, still we're looking at about 20 albums here so i, I, don't, I don't know i don't know how in depth we're gonna go here uh, Vinyl Be Please is that record membership I am a member of, and last month's record was Van Morrison's Veden Fleece, which I had never listened to. I, you know, I tried. Remember in the 90s, people were talking about how great Van Morrison was. Probably gets the whole This Mortal Coil thing, Come Here My Love. And I was like, eh, I can't get into it. But now I, I listen to Veden Fleece a lot in the last two weeks. It's a great record. Uh, and then my friends from home, from high school, Josh uh, Burgett and Davey Benson, they have a new album out. It's instrumental, sort of uh, electronic, but it's cool. It's 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 very unique. That's Benson slash Burgett, two T's in Burgett, and it's on Spotify. It is great. It's a self-titled album. They do a lot of stuff together. They've both been making music all the way back since we were all kids. Uh, somewhere there's the acapella techno song Fish Are Cool that we all made on a four track but uh, yeah I don't know I haven't been able to find that uh, listen to the new Dido album still in my mind that was pleasant only given one, one listen so far really liked it uh, the new Stephen Malkmus album Groove Denied which is mostly a synth pop album and I also have only given that one listen to so far and it has a lot of potential I think there's one or two guitar tracks towards the end on it but I was like whoa this is not what I expected but I'm into it in concept uh, the new Sigrid, which is like a sort of Swedish pop chick that everybody's like, yeah, she's keeping it real. And I liked her old single I started a year or two ago called Don't Kill My Vibe. And this album, I, you know, Don't Kill My Vibe is the best song on it. I may have started one other song, but I was like, yeah, it's fine. Uh, M83 has a new album out, but it's a soundtrack called Knife and Heart. I like all their soundtracks normally. Gave this one two listens. Uh, added a couple songs to my writing playlist, which is my instrumental playlist, but uh, it didn't really move me. I kind of deleted it pretty quick. Listen to the new Meat Puppets, Dusty Notes. Definitely, I started two or three tracks off of that one. I really enjoyed it. It's a mellow Meat Puppets album, but it, it's it's got a lot of potential. I'm pretty into it. It's worth a listen. Listen to the new Sun Kill Moon. I also want to die in New Orleans. I just did not care, which is very sad because Mark Kozlik has played a huge part of my life. But I, this this phase has got to move on, man. I can't. I couldn't. I gave it one listen. I was like, that's enough. Uh, listen to the new Royal Trucks white stuff. So I, you know, I was never a huge Royal Trucks fan. Saw them alive a bunch, but I, and I kind of understood their thing, but it wasn't really my thing. And it still kind of isn't. But uh, last week I was looking at all the old roller derbies, Lisa Carver's magazine, and listened to a bunch of old suck dogs. I had finished her book. We'll talk about that in a little bit. And uh, I noticed in all the roller ro roller derbies, they were just always advertising Royal Trucks. And then they like announced they had a new album. And I was like, all right, we'll give it a listen. But I'm like, eh, yeah, it's like the elevator drops to take too, too much Coke or something. And it's good. It's good. But it's not my thing. It's like, <laughs> it's like the, uh, the band that Fiddler was inspired by, basically. Uh, and I know I listened to that Fiddler album a few weeks ago, but as I listen to new albums, once I'm end of my To Investigate playlist, I go to the very beginning and I give each album a second listen. Somebody actually asked me about this recently. They're like, all the albums you say, they're pretty good, they're okay. Do you ever dislike anything? And it's really like, it's kind of probably more like a problem with the format of this podcast because I oftentimes have only given these albums one quick listen 
when I'm telling you that I've listened to them, but then I spend a lot of time with them as I go back to them. So for example, this week I gave the Ian Brown album, which I mentioned probably two months ago, like it's fourth and final listen before I decided I am not into the new Ian Brown album. And then I also finished up probably my fourth and final listen to the the last Fiddler album. And I am really into the last Fiddler album and it got like three starred songs. So that's kind of how it works is like right now I'm now revisiting. Let's see. I'll scroll up here. Uh, keep going, keep going, man. I got a lot. I got a long list still. So I, you know, I don't. Things don't leave the list until I've really, really given them a big, many chances to see if they're good or not. So now I'm listening to the new Beirut again. So you know, we can go back and look at what the week I talked about the new Beirut. Then I give that Moonraker album a chance, and then back to the Cherry Glazer album. Whatever, I listened to that like three or four times, so I think we can probably move on from there. So that's kind of the answer to that. It's like you don't hear, but later on, months later, when I'm finally done investigating the album, I'm like, nope. Not, not one of my favorites. So everything here, I, I feel like when I'm, I'm not really doing reviews because I haven't listened to them enough yet to really say one way or the other, unless I love it and I've well, stopped and listened to it a lot. So then Pitchfork was doing, you know how they have that thing where they say, here's an album we never reviewed back in the day and now we're reviewing it or they'll do best re- new reissue reviews. So sometimes, you know, I go to the Pitchfork reviews. I don't read them all or anything, but I scan them to see if I look for stuff every week. And they were doing one of those, you know, reissue reviews of everything but the girls walking wounded. And I realized I had never listened to that album. Like I, I like Tracy Thorne for Massive Attack and I had heard everything but the girl, you know, singles and stuff like that. But I was like, oh, I've never listened to this. So I gave Walking Wounded three listens and started the obvious hits the singles are the good songs but man that's a great record so there's one i'm giving a positive review to another one i'll give a positive review to is indian giver by spectrum and captain memphis so when i listened to the spectrum live chronicles i was like what's up with spectrum does he have a new album yet is he rocking or is he just still droning and i found this new album by him with a guy named captain memphis whom i know nothing about and they made an album together called indian giver and uh, it's awesome it, it, about half the album is re-recordings of old spectrum songs so the, the rocking ones and the other half are songs I, I are either new or they're captain memphis songs i don't know if they're like getting together and doing covers of each of their songs so they wrote some new stuff or anything but the album's great it's a mix of cool new weird rock and song droney rock and songs and some of the older spectrum rock and songs reworked with this cool captain memphis guy that sounds exactly as southern bayou-ish as captain memphis would you know imply so that's a great record indian giver by spectrum and captain memphis and then on og stone's recommendation i listened to realm of spells by yaw wobble and bill laswell which was good and but too sophisticated for my taste and it was like very well made and complicated and you know i was like okay i get it but it's not my thing and then I listened to Can't Find My Heart, the new Broken Social Scene single coming from the, EP, the pair of EPs they're doing that's going to make an album. I'm really excited about those. Uh, this is from Volume 2, Volume 1 we talked about earlier. Uh, and on Record Store Day, they're putting out a, a vinyl version of album or Volumes 1 and 2 together, and I'm all stressed because i got to go get that, as well as like the Lost in Translation soundtrack, which is on, being reissued on vinyl because the vinyl copies are like $200 right now. So i got to like get up and go to freaking record stores on the morning of the 13th and try and find these stupid records before everybody buys them up and puts them on Discogs for $100. It's annoying. I'm not a big record store day fan. Anyway, then let's see. I listened to a band called Wild Nothing. Somebody recommended this to me. It's called Indigo. I have no recollection of it, so like maybe I'll remember to come back and tell you more about that after I listen to it a second time. Uh, I listened to an album called Empires of Shame by a band called Frustration that my friend Brian White mentioned on Facebook. He lives in Berlin, and he's like, I just went to this club, and this was the band that was playing this evening, and they were awesome, and I listened to it, and they are awesome. They sound sort of like Osmitantes. The Australian punk band, not Osmitantes, the, uh, you know, the, the jazz thing. Um, maybe a little gallon drunk back in the day, maybe a little like a grinder man. It's, it's great. Empires of shame by frustration. Strongly recommend it. And then I listened to Eraserland, the new strand of Oaks album about half of it. I loved, I was reading a ton about him and people are saying they didn't like hard love. I loved hard love. So like, you know, like if you like hard love about half of this, it's great. But I picked up Strand of Oaks at Hard Love and I didn't know all his old history and like the the heartbreak and the affair and the car wreck and all this stuff and the album that everybody hated. So I've been listening to the older stuff, but uh, actually that's not true. I queued it all up, but somehow I skipped it. There's parts of somewhere in my to investigate queue that I have not listened to because I queued up all these older uh, Strand of 
Brooks albums. Yeah, there they are. I didn't listen to those yet. Oh, I just skipped over them because I wanted to listen to the new Jenny Lewis. So listen to the new Jenny Lewis on the line. It's great. Uh, it is way more sort of songwriter. Actually, I'm a little Nico Caser, new pornographers ish. Somebody said she's entering her troubadour phase, and I kind of believe that is true. So you know, it doesn't sound much like Rilo Kylie. If that was your thing, uh, listen to the amazingly brilliantly titled new Andrew Bird album, my finest work yet. And you know, it sounds like the old school Andrew Bird that you know and loved and I enjoyed it, but I only gave it one listen to so far. And then finally, I listened to the third LP, LP3, self-titled from American Football, which is some emo band I never heard of, and uh, because probably because they're popular when I wasn't listening to emo. And I only listened to this because Rachel Goswell from Slow Dive tweeted out that you should buy it because she is on one song. And so I listened to it. I gave it two listens while playing some Civilization the other day, and it's pretty good. It's pretty good. Kind of reminds me of a Mellow Mineral or a slightly more upbeat American analog set. Yeah. So that's all the music. That's all the music. That was uh, quite a lot. Quite a lot. Good music. Two weeks. Pretty happy about it. Oh, it seems I forgot to mention the new X-Hex as well, which I came in on vinyl. It is gorgeous. Uh, I posted an Instagram of the vinyl because of the beautiful, and it came with a cool t-shirt, which I wore yesterday. Uh, actually, I guess I did mention this because I was talking about peaches too. Anyway, I've been listening to the new X-Hex a lot as well. Very excited. They're coming to Cat's Cradle. It's going to be a good time. So that, I think, is the oh, 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 oh. Not a new album, but I got a new vinyl copy. There's a new vinyl edition of the Nick Cave Warren Ellis Proposition soundtrack on copper brown vinyl. Very, very pretty. So I've been listening to that soundtrack again. Uh, those Nick Cave Warren Ellis soundtracks never came out on vinyl back in the day, and they're all being issued on vinyl now. So it's very exciting ordered the other one but hasn't come in yet so there now i think we're actually done with the music turning to television i think we should start by filling you in on how things ended with broad church which i think i was saying good things about last time i talked to you two weeks ago but then in my cranky period i we watched some of it and i was like no i'm done we just got into the second season episode two and i was like no screw this i'm done with this garbage and i just stopped and i feel really good about it it was turning into a soap opera and it was making me angry and it was emotionally manipulative and I didn't care where it was going anymore and I just stopped and man it was a great decision I feel free I feel free Belinda Carlisle's cover of that song does not get enough credit anyway so oh, that's the uh, baby monitor beeping it's going in and out of signal we're pretty far away but it's it. everything's good over there uh, we're still watching the Orville which is great and it's way more pleasant than Broadchurch and it's super fun and it is the true era to Star Trek and I strongly recommend it I'm not watching season 2 of Discovery yet I will finish it once if the season's done I'll binge it because that's the only way I think I can handle that show uh, and then we watched Afterlife, the new Ricky Gervais show, which is great, which is only six 30 minute episodes, which basically makes it the length of a movie. <laughs> it's awesome. And uh, I really enjoyed it. Uh, even that by the end, I was like, this is getting a little long, but uh, it was very well done. I can't imagine they'll do a second season. It is his most emotionally poignant thing he's ever done. It is. It, I, I recommend it. It's quick. Uh, and then we are watching future man. Now somebody, I think Tom Vong bandit when he was visiting us said we wouldn't enjoy it. And he was right. It's absurd. It's dumb. It's fun. It's a ripoff of several different previous sci-fi things, but it does it in that winking way. Kind of like they did in office space and they're like, this is the plot of Superman three. And before they did that, you're like, dude, they're just ripping off the plot of Superman three. And then they like tackle it in the movie, in the movie. And you're like, Oh, thank you. Future man does a lot of that. And that makes me happy. So, you know, that's mostly TV. Of course, uh, MSNBC, the Mueller report, all that bullshit. I got very down about that. You know, doing that on a week where I wasn't going to New York, that was pretty painful. Then we got the multiple letters and we got Glenn Greenwald. I can't stand that guy going on and on about how bad Rachel is. And then you watch Rachel and she's like, yeah, this, this game isn't up. She's not really falling for it. Uh, falling for it sounds kind of, you know, conspiracy ish, but, uh, it's interesting with this new Bill Barr letter yesterday, you're like, well, you know, he's sort of, he's definitely trying shenanigans, but he's also like sensitive. You can tell that guy cares about his image in the long run. He doesn't want to get caught up in this. He'd do what he can to help, but he's not going to go too far. And, uh, but you know, I don't know. The whole thing's kind of a mess. It makes me a little disappointed, but, uh, 
I feel like the Democrats were a little shooken and it hurt, but they now realize that this is far from over and that they still have levers to pull and they're still working on it. But, you know, it is it is a bummer. The whole thing's a bummer because I mean, did I? I didn't think there was going to be like a smoking gun on collusion. What I thought, and I'm still, this is unanswered, and I think I know my answer now, is that he was going to uncover a wide array of financial shenanigans involving Deutsche Bank and like financing and money laundering and stuff like that. And that essentially that stuff would have made him susceptible to compromise, but not that he was actively, you know, colluding. Oh God, this thing is just beeping left and right. Hold on a second. I think the baby monitor is politely telling me to not turn this into a political podcast. <laughs> it's just beeping out of range, and then it goes back into range, then it goes out of range, then it goes in range. Anyway, that's what I thought would happen, and I guess two things. One, it still could all be in there, because none of that is uh, actionable like stuff that you could indict the president for now. And two, it could all be at the Southern District of New York now, so maybe that's why it's not in there at all. I just feel like it's not over, although I recognize we're just going to have to beat this dude in the election because everybody's too, it's never going to be something so smoking gun that like they're going to impeach him, which I think I've always known, but I just don't like to think about because pretending he's not going to be around for the next two years makes it easier to deal with it next two years. Anyway, moving on, let's talk about movies. I watched a lot of movies, so... Uh, only two in the theater, so I went to see Us last weekend. I guess, yeah, because I did the podcast two weeks ago after I went to the movie, so there'd be two, yeah. I didn't really enjoy Us. I, that's not true. I enjoyed it. I had a good time. It's very well acted. It's fun. It's interesting, but, you know, the plot makes no sense, and that distracts you by the end, and it's a real problem. And I had a very long talk with friends on this on Facebook. It's very divisive, but I know I'm not alone with my complaints about the plot. And I wish he just didn't explain the plot at all, which is the opposite of how I usually feel because I'm really into universe building and movies, but he did such a bad job of that that I think it didn't make any sense. And, you know, somebody pointed out, well, the Twilight Zone's like that a lot. And uh, that's true, the Twilight Zone, but they don't, they don't try and explain at all. And so I, this almost feels like it was going to be one of his episodes of the new Twilight Zone. And then he was like, I have to make it longer, so I'm going to explain this stuff a little bit more. And that just didn't work out. But it was funny. I enjoyed it. There's some good jokes. There's a good joke with NWA that I thought was pretty hilarious. Uh, then I watched at home uh, Mishima, Mishima, A Life in Four Chapters, which is a film directed by Paul Schrader. Paul Schrader, of course, is best known as the screenwriter of Taxi Driver, but he's also a director, directing to these days. The reason I think I heard about this film at all is because he did First Reformed last year, and I must have read an interview with him. I do recall reading an interview with him. He's like, yeah, this movie's pretty good, but honestly, the best thing I ever did was Mishima, Life in Four Chapters. And I was like, ooh, I haven't heard of this movie. And I Googled it, and everybody's like, this movie's amazing. So I downloaded it quite some time ago, like two months ago. And it... I didn't get around to watching it until this is last week, and it is fantastic, and I strongly recommend it. And if you're a Plex user, just let me know. I'll hook you up with my Plex. You can watch it on there. I think it's on iTunes or something, but it's great. Oh, yeah, because it's Criterion Edition, so it is on iTunes. But uh, what an amazing movie. Oh, God, if I had seen that in the 90s, I would have lost my mind. Uh, then I watched the original Dumbo in preparation to going to see the Tim Burton Dumbo, which I thought I was going to do today, but I didn't because there was a new Harmony Corinne film, but I watched the old Dumbo. And man, first off, it's only 63 minutes long and it still feels long and it's really weird. It's not very good, but it's got some psychedelic stuff that's kind of awesome in it. It's like not near as lushly animated as Snow White or Fantasia and things because I was reading the you know background on it. But those movies bombed when they came out. No, Snow White did great. Then Pinocchio and Fantasia bombed. So they're like, we need a cheap one. And they did that one, which is why it's only an hour long. And it's animated with watercolors instead of gouache. And it's like, yeah, this is a feature film. Give us some money. And, you know, it was right on World War II was starting to happen. They had to just get it out. And they did. And it saved Disney. So, I mean, thank you, Dumbo, for saving Disney, right? Uh, I was walking in the movie theater today. I walked past six posters in the lobby in a row. They're all movies being released by Disney or some sub-studio of Disney. So I guess we have Dumbo to thank for all of that shit, right? Uh, then Emma and I rewatched Empire Records. I'm going to call it a rewatch, although I have almost no recollection of watching it the first time around, and neither did Emma. She said she saw it once in the theater, and I think that's what happened to me, too. Literally, all I remembered about that movie was that there was a Betty Servert poster in it, and then Liv Tyler was in her underwear. 
And, you know, it makes no sense, but it's really a time capsule of its time. I was talking about this to my friend Jocelyn this week, and she was like, no, it's great. I'm like, have you really, have you rewatched it, though? (laughs) And even the soundtrack, it's half good and half like bad 90s corporate rock. So I don't know, it could go either way. But it was fun to watch again, and that was definitely a, a trip down memory lane. I don't think we're going to be watching singles or in all the other ones, reality bites and all that anytime soon. But, uh, you know, it was a good time. I'm sorry about the beep beep, but I have to leave it on. It's just going in and out of signal range. And there's no way to turn the beep off, but I need it on to make sure that the baby doesn't wake up. So I apologize. You're just going to have to endure this beep beep beep. Uh, and then I watched Gangs in New York. Finally, I had never seen it. You may recall I spent the bulk of this winter reading Gotham, a 1,500-page history of New York, and there is a probably a good 200 pages about the gangs of New York, and then they like uh, had a book by the inspiration for Bill the Butcher, actually wrote a book about his time, and I think I told you all about this, and how this was the beginning of like sort of the, like the noble history that people like the FSU gang in Boston might have, blah, 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 and but, so I grabbed the gangs of New York to watch back then, but I never got around to it, so I finally watched it, and it is, you know, the reasons I didn't watch it back in the days, because I thought the art direction was hokey, and uh, so I watched it now, because like, having read about these gangs, I was like, oh, but they all wore these weird, colorful things and you know, foppish, dandy uniforms and bright colors. So maybe the art direction is like a reflection of that. And that is true. But the art direction is still bad beyond that. <laughs> it's just not good. And he made these giant lush sets in like Italy on the Cinecino lot. And he, you know, I mean, he built a whole mile of Broadway. And it, those all look great. The sets look great. Like the, the New York itself looks great, but it's just shot poorly. Like not poorly. Obviously, it's Scorsese. I'm not going to say it's shot poorly, but... I don't know. There's just something overwrought and silly about the like the art direction of the whole thing. Not the cinematography, to some extent, the cinematography, but really the art direction. And I think part of it is because it came out in the '90s, and he was trying to like mimic hip hop and like you know give this gangs and gangs parallel. But I don't know. It just didn't work. It didn't age well. I would watch a remake of that or another movie that is like talking about the gangs of New York. The plot is actually not bad. I mean, you know, it's got a weird random love interest in it. And, uh, but you know, it all works, even though Bill the Butcher did not live until the draft riots, but the draft riots were as crazy insane as they are in that movie. And it was kind of fun to see a recreation of the draft riots. Fun is probably the wrong word, but, uh, horrific as they were. So, uh, you know, a worthy effort, a worthy effort. All right. Turning to books. Let's see. So I read a very quick read. I think I've been talking about it for a while. Regulation of Advertising by the FTC by Richard Posner. Richard Posner, of course, is a famous judge these days involved in a lot of rulings. You hear, for instance, did a lot of the early rulings on the Backpage.com stuff. And he's done a lot of other anyway. Uh, but he started like this libertarian think tank. It wasn't the Cato Institute, but it's one of those. And he wrote this book, Regulation of Advertising by the FTC. It's like a pamphlet almost. And the first third of it, it was desperately needed because it's like a not quite contemporary but close enough to the early history of the FTC to explain how and why it can regulate advertising and what its legal authority is in relatively plain language. And I desperately needed that. So it did fulfill its promise. But then the rest of the book is just garbage libertarian drivel about how like they should be doing less regulation and, and you know, it's inconsistent with itself and like any, you know, it's, it's just bad, but uh, it did its job. So that was nice. And then I read Suck Dog, A Ruckus by Lisa Carver. Lisa's an old friend of mine. I think I told you about this. I think it might have been even... Well, let's check. Uh, yes, I'm doing these in the wrong order. I, I'm supposed to do the book segment where I pick up with the book I was reading on the last podcast and finish up with it. And that was the Lisa Carver book. But I only had like 30, 20 pages left at the end. So I finished that up. It was great. But it did cause me to listen to a bunch of old Suck Dog albums. And then that led to... Uh, Something I mentioned earlier, I was like, oh, I was listening to this because it sucked. Oh, uh, Royal Trucks and Lisa is coming to New York for several shows on the 8th, 9th, and 10th, I think, of April. So I'm going to go to one of them. I'm going to try and fit it in with the Robert Caro thing and also the Don Quixote film. I don't know how I'm going to do all three of these in two nights, but I'm, I'm going to figure it out. And she's playing at Rubelod or performing at Rubelod with God is my co-pilot, which is crazy. So hopefully I will see Lisa in a couple of weeks. That'll be great. And, you know, it's always nice to read her books. I ordered the one of her books I didn't have. And then she was, I'm actually, I do her Patreon as well. So she's like, I'll just send it to you on the Patreon. So that's cool. That's exciting. Let's see. I got to scroll down. 
write books. Oh yeah. So then after that, I've been reading the same book for the rest of the two weeks. It's so great. I love this book so much. I've been talking about how I'm going to read it for, I think since I started the podcast and I, I had a hunch in my head, it was going to be really unpleasant to read. Like it was going to be work, but it's not, it's super readable. It is the greatest. It's called the public's business, the politics and practices of government corporations. And it is by Anne Marie Hauk Walsh of whom I know nothing about. I just know it was a Century Foundation commissioned study, and she was the head of the research group that the Century Foundation commissioned to write the authoritative history of government public authorities. And I've been very fascinated with public authorities for quite some time. Uh, doing this book about LaGuardia, of course. And so, uh, you know, if you, anybody that's read The Power Broker knows the whole thing about the public authorities and the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority. And if you're a New Yorker, that's, this is a whole thing with the MTA, which is a public authority that it also now has subsumed the Triborough Bridge and Tunnel Authority. So, you know, you read The Power Broker. And then, you know, I read a bunch of stuff about LaGuardia. And then I read the uh, a book called Empire and the Hudson uh, by Jameson Twig, I think his name was which is a history of the New York or the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. So you're talking to a dude that's read like multiple histories of different public authorities. So it is only natural that if there was one authoritative book that came out in 78 in hardcover and 1980 in paperback, which is the version I'm reading about public authorities, I'm, I'm all over that shit. And I totally am reading it and it's great. I've got about 100 pages left. It's about 400 page book. And it's fantastic. Sorry, we had a little technical difficulty there. Um, anyway, one of the reasons it's fantastic is that it's well-written. So when you get a book like this, it's well-written. That is always really, really exciting. So thank you, Anne-Marie Hauk Walsh. I Googled her. I can't find a lot about her. I may be repeating myself here, by the way, because I just did this whole segment and then had to redo it. So. <laughs> Uh, anyway, commissioned by the Century Foundation. She was the head of the, the commission that did the study. Um, it's basically like a history of the U.S. bond market, which is really interesting. Municipal bonds, history of tax exemption in bonds, uh, the history of like how America builds public works, history, uh, you know, from... When governments like um, the state governments like Missouri and Pennsylvania defaulted on debt and then like the sort of debt limits came into vogue, how cities and states get around debt limits, uh, another window into the New Deal with the Tennessee Valley Authority. Uh, it's just great. It's just great. Oh, and then it has like, you know, like sections on different... <laughs> different mavericks of the public bond market. And I was, there was three sections and two of them. I already knew all about these mavericks who were of course, Robert Moses and um, this guy, What's his name? Alvin Wirtz, Alvin J. Wirtz, who is the head and the founder, no longer the head, but of the Lower Colorado River Public Authority, which is uh, heavily, heavily featured in Robert Caro's books about LBJ. And I can't help but wonder if he like got really into public authorities and that's how he discovered Alvin J. Wirtz in the Lower Colorado River Authority. And I'm like, I'm on to you, Robert Caro. Uh, and then they talked a lot about Massport, which is pretty interesting. And then also some well-run ones like Seattle and Minneapolis. And uh, then it talked a ton about the Rockefeller state government gubernatorial administration in the state of New York and like its expansion of public authorities. And that was really interesting, actually. And I might have to read like a Rockefeller biography. I don't care about his crappy vice presidency, but I'm kind of interested in his transformative tenure as governor to the state of New York, but not until I'm done with the LaGuardia, Fiorello LaGuardia biography. Anyway, I got 100 pages left, and I really love it. One thing I did notice, though, and this is interesting, is that in the 70s, uh, there was a federal law passed that allowed for the use of public authorities as pass-through entities to obtain tax-exempt bonds for the cleanup of pollution as part of the Clean Water Act. And, uh, you know, I'm reading this, and I'm, like, listening to AOC talk about the Green New Deal, and I'm like... You know, people talk about how, like, oh, we don't hear enough about how we're going to pay for this. And I'm like, it's right here, man. The blueprint is right here. Just, like, look back to, like, the pollution bonds that we did through public authorities, tax-exempt pollution bonds for private business through their federal, their their local government. Uh, it'd be cool to bring that back, actually. So, you know, I don't know. You heard it here first. Maybe I'll, I'll write her an email. <laughs> <laughs> I know you get a lot of weird emails, but I suggest that you look into pollution bonds from the 70s. Uh, anyway, great book, great book. 
Turning to tech, we got work. Work has been a good time. Made another hire. I'm very, very, very excited. One of my favorite old barbarians just took a job at Time Hop. So there are now four of us, which is cool. Uh, and we hired a another woman named Vanessa to help with the programmatic stuff. So that's very, very exciting. Uh, so this GDPR Brexit stuff is like... A whole thing because we are covered in the EUK with a privacy program called Privacy Shield that will no longer be part of it. The UK won't be part of it if they leave GDPR. So I have to like update, you know, I email my lawyers. I'm like, yo, I need some verbiage for the website to say that the UK isn't covered by Privacy Shield if Brexit is to happen. And they're like, you're our only client that has figured this out. And I'm like, all right, I'm on it. Woo! So. <laughs> I felt pretty good about that. I had a two hour talk with the lawyers about a lot of different stuff. I have a lot of GDPR stuff going on, data processing, addendums, all that stuff. Cause we got all these clients and we got all this data and we don't do anything with the data. We just don't use it. It's not like nefarious, but you still have to have all this paperwork signed saying it's not nefarious. So it's a lot of paperwork. Uh, and then, you know, I actually had a couple, like a week and a half ago, I had a long Twitter discussion with Buster about Netflix. And I was like, I'm sick of Netflix. I hate their algorithms. I'm done with this. There's too many bad shows and they keep showing me garbage. And I thought it'd be worth mentioning on the podcast. Cause I mean, I'd love to hear from you guys. Is the Netflix algorithm working for you? Because it's really bad for me. It's like here, you should watch the great British baking show. Cause you watched Roma. And I'm like, this doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and then I did some Googling and I went up there and I deleted my entire viewing history and reset the whole thing it didn't help did not help and then i watched Broadchurch, and so now things i like Broadchurch. and i'm like oh god can't you tell i abandoned it i didn't like it so i don't know man i'm, I'm very frustrated with netflix right now I, I i think they're in trouble as well they're just getting more and more competition and they're not differentiated in any way and then we're on twitter and we we're having this and it was interesting because parents started chiming in they're talking about like prime and and Netflix and how much garbage television shows that they have for kids. And it's like, they just want something safe for their kids. They can leave them alone in it, but it's almost as bad as YouTube. They like turn come back and they're just watching horrible stuff. That's supposedly kid friendly. And like, I hadn't even considered that yet. I have like a kid's plex set up for Jane, but she doesn't watch TV yet. Really. She watches the same episode of Sesame street and that's it the cat episode but uh that was really interesting like the parents are you know i find netflix and prime problematic for its children's content it's kind of kind of a little eye-opening uh anyway and then uh also this week last week i was looking at the y combinator the new companies in y combinator and there is interesting there are two companies in there working in carbon capture one was working on uh uh turning carbon from the air back into gasoline, which I guess is sort of like a circular thing. And the other one was like pure carbon capture. So that was pretty awesome. I don't know if they're any good or not. If anybody went to the demo day, drop me a line. And then there was like a cool launch satellites by balloon company called Lunify, and which is a good name. And I tried to follow them all on Twitter and they didn't even have Twitter accounts. Uh, there's one, another one that had like a making an electric plane out of Norway. They, they did have like Instagram and Twitter. So I'm following them. It's pretty cool, but it was nice to see YC trying to do their thing. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm a YC skeptic, but uh, more power to him. And the five, four companies that were like focused on very profound, important parts of uh, cleaning up the environment. Uh, let's see. Oh, yeah. And then uh, somebody asked me about, oh, <laughs> I was having this weird talk about my new order scarf. And somebody was like, was that a Google alert? Like you talk about in your podcast. And I was like, oh, no, it was an eBay alert. So without further ado. I give you my eBay saved searches. Balcony Dogs, which is a band that was produced by Bill Drummond that he said he thought was... It's featured in one of his biographies, and he said he thought they were the greatest band ever. And uh, so I had to hear them, and they weren't on Spotify back in the day, so I bought the 12-inch. It was terrible. I've unsubscribed to that alert. Two alerts for Amiga cartoon classics and screen gems. Two... Uh, game interesting visual things for the amiga back when i owned an amiga 1500 it's still subscribe to those alerts never see anything don't own an amiga anymore so that one i could probably let go audio 300 brown which is one of the brown awesome sort of console audio systems that i would love to have if i'm rich casio tone shirt the shirt by the band casio tone for the painfully alone he actually sells those on Bandcamp now so i buy his shirts from him directly but i still have this alert because there's an old shirt i really want uh cubatech original cubatech is the shelving i have in my studio i keep an alert in case somebody's selling the original cubatech David Ogilvy Aga Cooker, which is the first uh, sort of sales manual David Ogilvy ever wrote when he was a salesperson for the Aga Cooker. I want to get that copy of that book someday, but that's never come up. 
DC Direct Goldie, which is Goldie from The Watchmen. There is like a, uh, they made a little toy of him. And uh, that's really expensive, but I keep an alert on it in case there's ever a cheap one. FAC 136, which is the gaffer's tape, the roll of tape from Factory Records. The tape, they're not gaffer's tape, the tape they used to mail stuff. I have one small piece of it, but I want a whole roll of that tape. Fact 15 Factory, which is the Zoo Meets Factory halfway poster. If you've ever seen 24-Hour Party People, you can see a copy of this poster in the window. It's one of the few factory things I don't have. Fact 54, which is the video VHS release of them constructing the Hacienda. <laughs> I have a lot of factory uh, eBay notifications from back when I was collecting all the factory stuff. Fact 61, which is the catalog number they gave to the lawsuit when Martin Hannett sued Factory Records. And Fact 81, which is the International uh, Convention, International Congress, which I'm not sure what the International Congress of Factory was, but it's the stationary from that. Uh, ghostly Warby Parker, which is the Warby Parker Ghostly collaboration sunglasses. That one's unsubscribed because eventually I told Sam about it. He just sent me a pair. LBJ Ranch Ashtray, right about it in the, the Robert Caro books about these cool ashtrays that LBJ had made for the LBJ Ranch. That has yielded some interesting results, but they've been like touristy ashtrays, not the ones that he actually had at the ranch. And that seems like a great opportunity for the gift store there, but they, they don't sell them. Uh, Lonely is an eyesore box. It's a 480 compilation. Everybody knows Lonely is an eyesore, but I keep a Google alert on box for the 20 or so wooden box versions they made that go for about 10 grand. That's triggered once or twice through the years, but never have enough money for it. Lucasfilm Pillow. Uh, Lucasfilm put out this an amazing employee pillow a couple years back. I got one from this Google alert actually, so it's now unsubscribed. Uh, you know, it's a really amazing pillow. It's sort of like a map of Lucasfilm, and it's it's really great. Metal Cat Forever Twenty One. That was a shirt that uh, my friend Kestrin was wearing that I knew Emma would like, so I kept a Google alert on it for a year or two until I found one for Emma and I bought her that shirt. Uh, New Order postage stamp. There was a postage stamp of power corruption and lies issued in the UK, and I've been trying to buy one, but this this Google alert doesn't work and I need to do something else and figure it out. Uh, Pirelli calendar 1972 is the 1972 Pirelli calendar that Sarah Moon did, who is a photographer I'm very, very obsessed with. It was the first woman to ever do a Pirelli calendar. I have now gotten two of these. I've had two Google alerts. Google, I'm sorry, they're not even Google. Two eBay alerts go off on this alert over the last 10 years, and I've bought them both because the calendar is very, very delicate, and it's got a weird hanging system, and now I've got a backup which is probably neurotic. Uh, Pixar image computer, <laughs> which uh, is a, the computer that Pixar made before they turned into being only a filmmaking studio. Uh, this alert went off once. I don't know if you know this story, but it, uh, back when I had tons of money, this alert went off and there was a Pixar image computer for sale on eBay for $25,000 and I bought it. And two days later, I got a call and it was from Pixar and they're like, we've had this eBay alert for years and you beat us to it and we don't own one of these and we want it for our museum. So I sold it to Pixar. So I didn't. It says in my Twitter bio right now, I actually owned a Pixar image computer for a single day. So that is the true story, but uh, it's never gone off again since. Uh, that's not true. A front panel went off recently. Um, but never a full computer. Quantel Graphic Paint Box, which was an early sort of digital compositing graphic design system in the UK that Von Oliver from 480 Records was very, very into back in the day. So I keep an alert on that. They do pop up. They're a couple thousand dollars. They're I, I don't really see the point. These are these are alerts from when I was obsessed with buying old computers, but I have since gotten rid of that habit. Shellac Futurist, which is the Shellac album that there are only about 500 copies of, that everybody that got a copy of the album has their name on the cover of the album. And so they don't come up for sale very often because they highlighted the name for the person it went to. And then I did a bunch of research and there's a, a website where they track all the names and I was going through it and I realized I actually knew one of the dudes. <laughs> And I was like, yo, Bill, you, I'll buy your shellac album off you because I've bought a couple other rare stuff off of him through the years. And he's like, I didn't even know I could, it was on that because I used to be friends with Bob Weston. I'm like, well, you should email them and get your shellac futures album and then sell it to me. <laughs> but he never did. Uh, but now that Discogs exist, you can buy one on Discogs. They're like $500, so I haven't bought it, but I like to keep an eye on it. Uh, shellac XL, that is an alert from when I wanted a shellac shirt that I could fit into after I gained a lot of weight because I couldn't fit into my old shellac shirt, but that 
doesn't matter. It's unsubscribed now because I fit into my old shellac shirt again. So I feel very good about that. Soleri Arcology 1969. Paolo Soleri is the founder of the Arcology movement. He made Arcosanti out in New Mexico. He has a book called Arcology. I have both reissues of the book, but the 1969 version is the book. It was the major book in my childhood. It was at our public library. I used to look at it all the time, and I love a copy of the original one, so I keep that alert. You could buy that book on ABAA Booknet now, but it's like two grand, so I just kind of keep this as a wishful alert that one day a cheaper version will show up on ebay it's worked in the past uh spaceman 3 shirt spaceman 3 doesn't do a lot of merch uh sometimes sonic boom does merch for spaceman 3 but i keep an alert on there in case there's any cool old spaceman 3 shirts uh transcriptors hydraulic reference which is the cool looking record player you may know it best from clockwork or a clockwork orange so i keep a alert on that those actually do come up but they're like two or three grand so i don't i don't really you know i'm not gonna spend that much money on that vestex vrx 2000 uh, that is the record cutting machine you can buy it's like a self-contained unit that will make lacquer vinyls out of recordings for you and then uh that's it so those are my ebay alerts good time in tech today huh and i guess finishing up this tech thing i should talk about two kind of sad things i didn't go to south by this year and by the second day i was looking at my instagram and twitter and i just deeply regretted it and i had massive fomo and i was like oh my god i should have gone anyway and up in new york this this week i saw my friends danielle and allison and they both went and they're like yeah it's still good it's still fun and i was like oh why didn't i go so that fomo hurt really badly but not as bad as when the brand center which is the the college I was on the board of announced a new board and I wasn't on it because there was a mix up last fall where they basically kicked us all off the old board. And I thought it was obvious, but it wasn't us. And so I was surprised and it really bummed me out. And now I'm really angry and bitter and I've just sort of banned the brand center for my life and it really hurt. And I was really bummed. And, uh, yeah, so those two things both happened when I was in my first two-week stretch of not going to New York, and there was the stuff with the Mueller report not being, well, probably not being as, as impactful as we thought it was, and I was just like, oh, life is terrible, and it was a real bummer, and, and Emma was like wanting to talk about it, and it took me a day or two to get it all together and talk to her about it, and then like I told her about the Brand Center stuff, and then she asked me about which half is wasted, and then I had to tell her she doesn't listen to the podcast so you guys know more about this stuff than she does and then i had to tell her all about like the stuff with my agent and what's going on with that and it was just like oh i feel like a failure and i wonder if my wife thinks i'm a failure now it was a rough two weeks man and now i'm very thankful that things are going well with work but that's kind of the way it usually goes in my life is i have like four or five things going on and at any time one or two of them's not doing well and one or two of them are doing well and last year some other stuff was going well but work wasn't and i remember i was like oh it's a good thing i have this or this and you know, they rotate. That's just circle of life, man. Hakuna Matata, right? Hakuna Matata. And then I guess regarding other projects, I'm going to put some effort in, I guess, getting my book back from my agent and trying again. That's kind of my rough plan now. I talked to my friend Kate and she gave me some advice and she said I should call him. I've emailed him twice and he doesn't even answer, but I'll give him a call and I'll get that back. And, uh, I don't know. I've got some secret projects going on still. Three secret projects that aren't really ready to talk about with you guys yet. So I am keeping busy, but really I need to just turn to LaGuardia. But I am working on LaGuardia. This is where I am reading the public's business and I'll read the LaGuardia bio and then I will be done. And I think I can just sit down and I can write that book almost like straight through. So I haven't given up on projects and also work is just really busy lately. It's, it's been intense. It is a, it is a thriving company and we've hired five people in the last five weeks and you know, that's a 30% increase in headcount. So it's hard to get much more done than I'm doing. Uh, you wouldn't know it by how much music I listen to, but I listen to music when I'm working, man, cut me some slack, man, it'll get better. Projects will return. I feel confident, but Trek is done, right? Think about it. Last time I was on one of these rants, I'll get it done. I'll get it done. Trek happened. I sold like 250 copies. It's on Amazon. Now you should buy it. I sell copies on Amazon every week. I got to remind myself of these things. Sometimes when I'm feeling really down, I just go to author central and I'm like, Oh look, somebody bought my book today. One of my books. That's great. Oh, there's my mom. Come say hi, mom. I'm recording my podcast. <laughs> my mom has listened to my podcast and now she's on it. Yes. You haven't been listening to it now that you're in town though, right? No, just once. Yeah. Uh, there's the monitor. She's still asleep. Oh, okay. But I, 
Yeah, I'll get her. I mean, I'll be, yeah. Well, that's pretty exciting. You guys got to hear my mom. So, and that's a good time to stop. So that's it for this week and last week, two weeks here. And uh, thank you for listening. And we will see you guys next week. It's a lovely time here, down here in Chapel Hill. And I hope it's a lovely time wherever you are. Drop a line, send me some new music, send me any questions you might have. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. <laughs>